Second Timothy, in chapter number four this morning. Second Timothy, in chapter number four. <clears throat> Again, it's good to be back with you this morning, and uh, just want to drive home a truth um, here today. We'll use our Bible quite a bit. Again, this morning, just use a lot of scripture, and um, I'm going to reiterate uh, some things that we've already talked about this week, and just try to tie it all together, and I just want to be a help and a blessing uh, to those that are in the service here today, and those that are watching uh, via live stream. We appreciate uh, your faithfulness uh, this week, and I know your pastor does. Second Timothy chapter number 4, if you find your place, let's all stand as we take reverence to the reading of the Word of God. The Bible says, Paul said, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he said, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Brother Martin, would you open us up in prayer today, please, sir? Amen, you may be seated. Now, over 20 years of being saved and serving the Lord, I've seen a lot of God's children start well, but not every one of them that have started well have finished well. An old preacher, Brother J.C. House, made a statement one day. He said, in life there are no winter circles, there's just a finish line to cross. You'll find here in 2 Timothy... Paul is writing one of his last letters to Timothy, his son in the faith. And in this last letter, he's reviewing his life for the Lord, and he knows that his life is almost over. And Paul considers the Christian life as a good fight, and you'll find that he fought against many things. We do know that he fought against Satan. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, Verse number 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Uh, he fought against the Jewish and the pagan vices of that day. He fought against immorality in the church, against false teachers, against the distortion of the gospel, and against worldliness and sin. And Paul fought a good fight, and Paul held his ground until the very end of his life. Not only did Paul fight a good fight, but Paul also finished the course that God had set for him. Even with all the trials, even with all the difficulties, even with all the discouragement and the afflictions of life, Paul remained faithful to his Lord and Savior until his dying day. I'm not talking about before salvation. I'm talking about after salvation, 
Life was not always easy for the Apostle Paul. Paul fought a good fight. Paul finished his course. Paul kept the faith. Even in adversity, even in severe testing, even in great discouragement and many afflictions of life, Paul kept on holding on to his faith in God. When he was forsaken by his friends and opposed by false religious teachers, Paul stood firm upon the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He never once compromised the truth of the gospel. And the last chapter of Paul's life was truly a victorious chapter of his life. And Paul was at the end of his life to boldly and confidently pin down the words under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. He said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. This morning I want to go through the Scripture and I want to give us some ingredients of Paul's life that he can show us from the life that he lived after his Damascus Road conversion until his dying day and how he finished well. Child of God, God doesn't love Brother Paul more than he loves you or more than he loves me. And if Paul could say, I fought a good fight, I've finished my course, I've kept the faith, you and I can finish well too this morning. And so I want to back up everything, all the points that I'll bring out this morning. I want to, uh, I want to bring them out with the scripture that the Apostle Paul pinned down. Can I say first of all this morning, I'll tell you how Paul was able to finish well. Number one, Paul got past his past. Amen. He got past his past. Uh, understand before there was the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary and church planner this world has ever known. He, he was known as Saul, the murderer of Christians. Matter of fact, Saul uh, was a, uh, 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 not, not, he wasn't a saved person, but he was a very religious person. And he was staunch in his religion of Judaism. Matter of fact, he hated the very name of Christ. Uh, just think about it with me. The very first time that you and I come across the Apostle Paul in the Word of God. His hands are stained with the blood of martyrs. He would throw men, women, boys and girls in prison for even mentioning the very name of Christ. Paul had high rankings and accolades in the very paganisms that he was now preaching against. Matter of fact, Paul said this, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 15, he said, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And you understand, uh, before Paul's conversion, uh, he hated the very name of Christ. But Paul also understood the goodness and grace and mercy of an almighty God. And he went on to say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. You understand, Paul despised and he regretted his past more than anything. 
But Paul said, there's nothing that I can do about my past. But there is something that has been done about my future. And to the extent that I once lived for the devil is now to the extent that I'm going to live for God. I want you to turn your Bibles to Philippians this morning. Let's look at Philippians. I love the book of Philippians, amen. I think about, was it Miss Katie? Is she the, where's Miss Katie at? Is she here this morning? The missionary, the young missionary lady. Is that her name, Brother Marshall? Miss Katie, I thought it was. She alluded to this verse the other day. But I think about the Apostle Paul, Brother Andrew. And the Apostle Paul was in that Roman jail cell. And he had been beaten half to death. And for, for lifting up the name of Jesus, it amazes me about Paul that as Saul of Tarsus he threw many women, uh, boys and girls in prison uh, for lifting up the name of Christ. But after his salvation, he spent much time in prison for lifting up the name of Christ. And now in the book of Philippians, he's in a Roman jail cell, been beaten half to death for the gospel's sake. But you understand, Paul's main ambition and Paul's main goal was not to be released from the Roman jail cell. But his main ambition and his main goal was that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. But Paul was able to get past his past. I want you to look at something with me this morning. I want you to look at Philippians chapter 3. I want you to look at verse number 12 with me. He said, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after it that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I want you to look at something this morning. Paul said, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth on those things which are before. And, and as I read that, and I saw the wording in that verse, and I understand some of you other preachers uh, have seen this truth before, and I'm not trying to change the Word of God. I'm not trying to add to or take away from the Word of God. But as I read what Paul said in verse uh, number uh, 13, he said, Brethren... I count not myself to have apprehended. Then he goes on to say, but this one thing I do. Now I could understand after Paul said, this one thing I do, I could understand if it went on to say, forgetting those things which are behind, period. But there wasn't a period there. Matter of fact, there's a comma there and it goes on to say, and reaching forth, out of those things which are before. Well, Paul, I thought you said this one thing I do. Paul, it looks like you're saying the, the, the two things that you did to get past your past. No, Paul said, this one thing I do. He said, I'm forgetting those things which are behind. I'm forgetting that I persecuted the church. I'm forgetting that I hated the name of Christ. I'm forgetting the religious person that I used to be. He said, but the only way I can forget is I've got to leave my past and I've got to go towards the will of God. And the further I get in the will of God, the more my past is in the past. You understand, child of God, 
here in just a little while, I'll walk out of one of those doors, but I cannot walk out that door until I leave over here. And child of God, quit talking about your past. Quit wallowing in the past. Quit just staying in the past. Just pursue the will of God. And the more you pursue the will of God, the more the past is in the past. Amen. I used to think I was the only one on God's green earth that had a past that I regretted. But I understand this morning all of us Most of us have past mistakes and past failures. But as I've said this week, thank God, we don't serve a God that only forgives us of our sin, but He forgets our sin as well. Amen. First of all, how was Paul able to finish well? Well, first of all, he got past his past. Second of all, Paul stayed indebted. Paul stayed indebted. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse number 14, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. Can I say, you you want me to tell you what will keep you in the good fight of the Christian life? You want me to tell you today what Paul gives us some ingredients of on how to fit us well, what will keep us on the right course for God? You want me to tell you today what Paul gives us here that will equip us to fit us well? That is to keep a spirit of gratitude and indebtedness. Can I say I don't ever want to become bitter or ungrateful of the goodness that God has bestowed in my life? Child of God, can I say you and I are traveling down a dangerous road when we travel down the road of ungratefulness. I don't ever will lose the all of it all that I'm saved by the grace of God and somebody help mold me and make me and mentor me to what I am today. Amen. Child of God, I think about Barnabas. All the other ones were afraid of Paul there in the book of Acts. But Barnabas obeyed the voice of the Lord and he just took on Paul as his project. I, I got a preacher friend that said said about this thing of salvation and bab- uh, salvation and discipleship. He said, in the Christian life, there ought to be three people in every single person's life. First of all, there ought to be a Paul as a, a as a uh, there ought to be a there ought to be a Paul as a mentor. There ought to be a, a there ought to be a Timothy. There ought to be a there ought to be a Barnabas as one that uh, helps mold us and make us. And then there ought to be a Timothy in in our life that that helps uh, 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 that that's our project that we're pouring our life into, and uh, we're helping them get to the place uh, where somebody helped get us to that place. Amen. I, I think about the person uh, that took me under their wing uh, when I first got saved by the grace of God. His name was Stephen Cameron, and I remember. That night after I got saved, uh, that night after I got saved, uh, and I got baptized that same night that I got saved, Brother Stephen Cameron was there in the college and career age class, and he walked me upstairs to the baptismal uh, room there, uh, there in Mississippi where I got saved. And I remember after I got baptized that night and we were walking back down the stairs, he said, Chris, he said, you care if I stop by your house tomorrow and just maybe visit you a little while? And I said, no, I don't mind, I don't mind that at all. And I, I remember the very first place that Stephen and I went to. He took me to a golf range to hit golf balls. 
And that's where my hatred for golf began that very day, right there, amen. And, and uh, brother, but Brother Stephen just took me to hit some golf balls. And uh, I, I began to notice in about, for about a year and a half or two years, Stephen Cameron made some type of contact with me every single day, whether it was a phone call, whether it was a text, whether it was to come get me and go somewhere. You know, you understand, it wasn't always carrying, uh, or it wasn't never carrying uh, six Bibles under his arm and walking around singing, holy, holy, holy. But I did notice something about him. I did begin to notice the music that he was listening to in his vehicle was different than the music I was listening to in my vehicle. And all of a sudden, his music became my music. I, I began to see how, uh, how he respected and obeyed uh, his parents and uh, treated them with respect and dignity. And I too began to treat my parents with respect and dignity. I, I began, to, uh, uh, began to pick up that the conversations that we were talking about were not about the things that I used to talk about, but it was about showing up for uh, bus visitation and going out soul winning. And all of a sudden, that became, uh, that became the highlight of my life to do those things. And Stephen Cameron poured his life into me and he helped mold me and make me. Can I tell you, my friend, I am indebted to the man that helped bring the Christian life to just have the, the excitement and the love for God that we had. Can we be reminded this morning? None of us are any self made men, there are no self made ladies. Somebody helped mold us and make us and mentor us. Young people, quit being so bitter at that Christian mama or daddy that loves you enough to be at the house of God. Can I say, young people, you're indebted to Brother and Miss Rodriguez and your pastor that faithfully preaches the Word of God. I don't ever want to get to the place where I'm bitter or ungrateful to the goodness that God has bestowed upon me in my life. How was Paul able to finish well? Well, first of all, Paul got past his past. Paul stayed indebted. Number three, we've talked a lot about this this week. Paul knew what it was to be led by the Spirit instead of by his flesh. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified. I, I, I messed that whole thing up a while ago. We're supposed to have a Paul as a pattern, a Barnabas as a peer, and a Timothy as a project. Amen. There it is right there. Amen. Paul, uh, Paul said this. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He also said in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16, he said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He said, Galatians chapter 5, Verse number 24 and 25, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Child of God, I cannot say it enough. There is great safety for the child of God to be led by the Spirit of God, and there is great danger to be led by our flesh. There's a constant battle going on every, in every single one of our lives between the flesh and between the Spirit. You've heard it said like this before. There's two natures that beat within my breast. One is cursed and the other is blessed. The one I love, the other I hate. But the one I feed will surely dominate. And I don't want to feed to that old man that was headed to hell. 
I want to feed to the new man that is saved by the grace of God, but I'm not going to be able to feed upon worldly things and fleshly things. The only thing, the only way I can feed this old flesh or the only way I can feed this old spirit of God that lives inside of me, my friend, I've got to feed upon the word of God and the things of God, amen. The Bible says in Romans chapter eight, verse number nine, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so, be the spirit of God's well in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. I've heard young people, although they're making, they may, uh, may say a different statement. What they really mean is this. Brother Chris, I, when, I, when I commit sin, I don't like it when the Holy Spirit convicts me. Can I tell you, I'm glad when the Holy Spirit convicts me because that's evidence that I'm saved by the grace of God and the Spirit of God lives inside of me. How was Paul able to finish well? Well, he showed us how to get past his past. He told us about being indebted. He, he, he shared many scriptures with us about being led by the Spirit instead of by the flesh. I'll tell you another reason Paul was able. There's, not, there's no way that I can get through everything that Paul gave us uh, in the Word of God, but I'm just going to give you a few, few this morning. I'll tell you number four, Paul was able... To finish well because he realized the power of the Word of God. He realized the power of the Word of God. He said in Hebrews chapter 4 verse number 12, For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Bible says in Hebrews, or Psalm chapter 12, verse number 1, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. The psalmist said, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. Well, how do you and I become godly in this old wicked world? I'll tell you how we become godly. It's not rocket science. God gives it to us in the book. We become godly by obeying His Word. Amen. Reading His Word and obeying His Word. Uh, we, we become godly by having a sincere prayer life and not being dependent upon the flesh but upon the Spirit of God. Uh, we become godly by being at God's house allowing God's man to open up God's book and preach the Word of God. That's how you and I become godly. But the psalmist said, for the godly man ceaseth. Can I tell you, my friend, then he goes on to say, for the faithful fell from among the children of men. Child of God, when godliness ceases in our life, when we quit reading God's book, when we quit praying, when we, keep, when we quit being at the house of God, when we should be at the house of God, when godliness ceases in our life, mark it down, faithfulness will soon follow. You say, Brother Dallas, I love Riverside Baptist Church. I love Pastor Marshall. I love uh, Brother Rodriguez. Can I tell you, my friend, you may love this place with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, but if you don't find out where it is to become godly in this wicked world, you may not find yourself here this time next year. Amen. Paul realized the power of the Word of God. I'm reminded of a dear friend of mine that pastors in the ghetto area of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Brother Burton Gates. Brother Burton's a dear friend of mine.
And before Brother Gates' salvation, he was a bartender at the Applebee's in El Dorado, Arkansas. And he was home one Saturday, and he was sleeping late that Saturday morning because he had worked all night Friday night. And Brother Weedo, the pastor of Bible Baptist Church in El Dorado, Arkansas, their soul winners were out on Saturday, and his teenage son, Jake, was with another young man there in the church, and they knocked on Brother Burton's door that Saturday morning. Brother Burton was still asleep, and they woke Brother Burton up. At that time, Brother Burton was 6'2", 6'3", and weighed probably a little over 300 pounds, if not, uh, maybe about 320, something like that. He was a defensive lineman for the junior college at that time. And Brother Brother Jake said he was intimidated. His story is he was intimidated when Brother Burton answered the door. And Brother Burton was mad because he, they woke him up. And Brother Jake gave him a gospel track. And, and, and Brother Burton just kind of snatched the gospel track out of his hand. And he just kind of shut the door on Brother Jake. And Burton takes that gospel track and he just puts it on the end table there by his recliner. He goes back to sleep, gets up that afternoon, gets dressed and goes to Applebee's and serves the liquor to all those folks that come and sit around the bar there at Applebee's. So at about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, he finally gets home, opens up the door to his house and goes to the refrigerator first thing and pulls a Budweiser out of his refrigerator. He comes and sits in that recliner there in his uh, living room. And he pops the top on that Budweiser bottle there. And he goes to sit that bottle down there on that end table. And when he does, he sees that gospel track there. And he begins to read that gospel track and begins to see where for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and uh, how because of our sin the penalty is death and hell, but he didn't have to die and go to hell because of the shed blood on the cross of Calvary. He began to see the gospel in that gospel track. Brother Burton didn't get saved that, night, that, that early that morning, but he didn't drink that beer that morning either, amen. Matter of fact, he didn't sleep at all that day either. The story goes where he got up that morning without sleeping and just got in a sports car and went to the Bible Baptist Church there in El Dorado, Arkansas. Heard the preacher get up that Sunday morning and preach the Word of God. And before the invitation even started, Brother Burton came down to an old-fashioned altar and a soul winner met him there and led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And God saved his soul and absolutely changed his life for God's honor and for God's glory. And Brother Burton has now pastored there, the Liberty Baptist Church there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I don't know, eight or nine years now. I remember the very first time that my wife and I went to, to Philadelphia to the church there to preach. We pulled up to the church there. We could hear the, we could hear the, uh, uh, the Bible being played over the loudspeakers. And he plays Alexander Scorby reading the Bible throughout the streets of that ghetto area from 9 to 5, 9 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the evening. And Brother Burton tells the story of the reason why he does that. If you know anything about Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, it used to be the fifth, uh, the, the, the most uh, heroin uh, traffics through the streets of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the fifth in the, in, in the nation. Now I believe it's number six. But nonetheless, he lives right there smack dab in that area, the Kensington area of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where all that's going on. He told the story of how when he first got there, that, he, that, that, that folks would come to church and they would flood the church services on Sunday morning. 
especially in the winter when the sun would go down earlier and it was dark outside. He would only have about 15 or 20 people in his church on Sunday night. He began to wonder why in the world he couldn't get a better crowd to come on Sunday night and he finally figured it out. There was dope pushers all on the uh, on every corner of that street there where he started the church. And when the church members would try to come to church, those, those drug pushers would threaten or they would try to steal and rob from his church members and they were just scared to come to church after the sun went down. And Brother Burton found out that there wasn't a noise ordinance in that area where he had that church there, so he got the bright idea to put the loudspeaker outside of his church and play Alexander Scorby reading the King James Bible throughout the streets of the Kensington area. And the story goes where Brother Burton says within just two or three weeks the drug pushers moved on down the road. And can I say this morning, my friend, I believe with all my heart that if the Bible being played over a loudspeaker has the power to push some drug pushers down the road, it has power to do everything else in our life that it needs to do as well. Amen. Paul realized the power of the Word of God. I'll tell you something else Paul had. Paul was able to finish well because Paul had one passion and that was to get the gospel to the lost. Matter of fact, Paul said this. He said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He said in Romans 9, verse number 3, for I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. I was preaching at the ranch there in Oklahoma. And there was a good preacher friend of mine that was preaching there in that same May camp meeting, Brother Daryl Cox, that pastors the Trinity Baptist Church there in Moxville, North Carolina. As far as I've ever been around, Brother Cox is the greatest personal soul winner that I've ever personally been around in my entire life. Matter of fact, I wouldn't even say that Brother Cox is a soul winner. I would just say he's soul conscience. And he just wants to give the gospel to anyone that will listen. And I remember he was leaving on a Wednesday morning to fly back home to preach at his church that night and I had to pick him up early in the morning to take him to the airport. And I picked him up there in Eufaula about 4.30. And we were going to Tulsa. And myself and another preacher uh, was riding with me. And we were all in shirts and ties there that day, taking Brother Cox to the airport. And uh, the reason I, I believe Brother Cox uh, may sleep in a certain time, cut the grass in a certain time, I don't know. But the reason myself and the other preacher had a certain time on that day is because by the time we dropped him off and got back, it would be church time. And I remember as we were driving down the road just the whole trip, that hour and a half, two hour trip, the entire time Brother Cox was just telling us uh, about uh, people that he had personally witnessed to that week and one to Christ in the airports and in the grocery stores and all those places. I remember, matter of fact, I remember when we got to McAllister about 30 minutes away from Eufaula, we saw a heavenly sign 
the golden arches, amen, McDonald's, amen, and we all walked in McDonald's, we had our shirts and ties on and our shiny shoes on, and the manager was there, and she looked at all of us coming in there at 5 o'clock in the morning with our shirts and ties, and she said, man, y'all sure do look spiffy, where are y'all headed? And the first thing that came to my, the first thing I said was, well, we're going to Tulsa to go to the airport. Brother Cox spoke over me and he said, we're headed to heaven, where are you going? And he was able to take a gospel track and tell that lady about the Lord. After we left McDonald's, he just kept on telling folks, just tears streaming down his face about folks that he had won to Christ that week. And I'll never forget when I dropped him off at the airport and he hugged my neck goodbye, tears still streaming down his face. And he looked at me and said, Brother Chris, you know the only thing more sad than a lost sinner? I said, what's that, Brother Cox? He said, it's a lost sinner nobody's looking for. I'm thankful for the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm also thankful for the seeking grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I say, young men, young ladies, all of us here today, we can all tell somebody about the Lord. Amen. We can all tell somebody about the Lord. Well, why was Brother Paul able to say, I fought a good fight, I finished my course, I've kept the faith? Well, Paul stayed around the right crowd. He stayed around the right crowd. Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion hath light with darkness? Can I ask you this morning? Who are you fellowshipping with? Are you fellowshipping with those that will draw you closer to God? Or are you fellowshipping with those that will draw you away from the things of God? One of the best decisions that I've ever made in my life is once I got saved, quit hanging with those friends that were, that, 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 that were listening to the world's music, but start listening, uh, or start hanging with friends that were listening to music about the blood of Jesus. Uh, start, quit hanging out with those friends whose main ambition was to get a fix from this world, but their main goal was to tell a lost sinner about Jesus. Uh, friends that weren't uh, carousing with worldly heathen, but friends that had godly influence on my life. Can I tell you my best friends in all the world? are preachers and Christians and good golly laymen. Paul knew what it was to stay around the right crowd. Many, many moons ago now, when I was in Bible college there in Mississippi, the small Bible college there that I went to, it was a requirement for every male student to play at least one semester on the intramural basketball team. And not volunteering, but grudgingly, I played my one semester on that intramural college basketball team. I'm more of a ping pong player than basketball player, amen? But to your surprise, that one semester when I was on that intramural college basketball team, to your surprise, I scored a basket, amen. 
But the basket I scored was not for my team. It was for the other team. I was down there on the other end of the court. This player was trying to throw the ball to his teammate. And somehow I got in the middle of that. I grabbed the ball, threw the ball up to their basket, and I scored a basket for another team. And I say, young people, when I got saved by the grace of God, I got on God's team. You want me to tell you this morning how you'll score the points for the, for the devil's team all over again? Start hanging out with that crowd that does not bring honor and glory to God and you'll score the points for the devil. Child of God, let's make up our mind. We want to score every point we can for God. Amen. Why was Paul able to finish well? Well, he got past his past. He stayed indebted. He was led by the Spirit instead of by his flesh. He realized the power of the Word of God. He had one passion, and that was to get the gospel to the lost. He stayed around the right crowd. And then Paul, lastly, for this message, Paul gave God his proper place. He said in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 18, that in all things, he might have the preeminence. He might have first place. Can I say it's about time? Now, I'm not. I, I used to just say this to teenagers, but the more I uh, deal with folks and our addictions outreach, I'm understanding adults have a problem with it as well. There has to come a time where you have to put the video games up and fall in love with the Lord. Can I ask you? I know it's not an original statement by Brother Chris. But have you spent more time on Facebook this week or in recent weeks than your face has been in this book? Does the Lord have first place or social media have first place? Can I ask you this morning, does your worldly music have first place or does God have first place? I want the Lord to have number one place in my life. How many of us say, Brother Dallas, I desire to finish well for the Lord to where I bring honor and glory to Him instead of shame and praise. How many of us would say that this morning? I'm reminded of a marathon runner that was in the 1968 Olympics when they were in the Colorado area. Denver, Colorado, I believe it was. His name was John Stephen Akwari. And John Stephen Akwari was from the country of Tanzania. And John Stephen Akwari was never likely to win the marathon race, but he was the fastest that his country had to offer. So they sent John Stephen Akwari across the world to Denver, Colorado, to where the Olympics were there in Denver, Colorado. John Stephen Akwari got up with all the other runners. They shot the gun. And John Stephen Akwari with many other runners began to run that marathon. And after an hour and a half, two hours, I believe it was, I don't know if it was because of the high altitude or the, or the thin air or whatever the case was, John Stephen Akwari began to get severe leg cramps 
And matter of fact, the leg cramps got so severe that he fell to the ground. And when he fell to the ground, it was just a domino effect of other runners behind him. And about a dozen runners fell there that day because John Stephen at Warry fell because of the severe leg cramps. The medical team came and got John Stephen at Warry and the other runners. They took him to the medical tent. They bandaged him up, made sure everything was okay. Every single runner fell out of the race that fell to the ground that day, except John Stephen at Warry. John Stephen at Warry was never likely to win. He got back in the race 45 minutes or an hour later after falling. And now it was very likely that he was going to come in last place, and he did come in last place. Matter of fact, he finished the race so late that the day began with those that were in the grandstand where the, where the race started. There was thousands of spectators and hundreds of reporters in the grandstands. That day when he finished the when he crossed the finish line, there was just a dozen spectators, a couple dozen spectators, and just a couple of reporters. John Stephen at Warry come limping over the finish line there that day. Those couple dozen of spectators and the two reporters come up to John Stephen at Warry, and they were making fun of him. They said, didn't you understand that you would never win the race? Didn't you understand once you fell that there was no use running the race? The reporter asked John Stephen at Warry, why in the world did you not fall out of the race like all the other ones? And what John Stephen at Warry told that reporter that day will go down in sporting history. John Stephen at Warry told that reporter, my country did not send me halfway around the world to start a race. My country sent me all the way across the world to finish a race. And my friend, we got in the race when God saved us by the grace of God. And you may have fallen a time or two. You may have gotten bruised. You may have gotten cut up. You may have stumbled along the way. But I'm glad this morning the God of heaven lets us get back up and He allows us to get back in that race because there's no winter circles when we get to heaven. There's just a finish line to cross. As we stand all across the building this morning, as we stand all across the building this morning, the invitation is very simple. Let's just determine that we're going to finish well. As the pianist would begin to play, the altar's open this morning. I want to finish well. I may not be first place. I may not be the most popular. I may not be the most talented. It may seem like I have everything against me. But I want to finish the race that has been set before me. All said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. God's got a course for you. And the only way you can finish that course is to live by faith. That faith comes from the Word of God.